poets and intellectuals of this time, the innovative minds, the intelligentsia, those that are breaking down the barriers and choosing a bohemian existence, escaping from dreary suburban ideals and materialistic death traps. Where are these engaging people? The risk takers, the revolutionaries, those living apart from this big unrest, those escaping the sterility of corporate junkies who get high on materialistic consumption. Welcome to the Bohemian Beat. We will journey beyond the horizon and find the artists living on the edge, going down into the murky waters of their very existence, where these brave souls have re-emerged with art that is challenging, original and brutal. You have just tuned into The Bohemian Beat, a show that explores poetry and music in all sorts of weird, wonderful and interesting ways. I'm Rudy, with you until the end of the hour. And let's ease in with some Willie DeVille. There's a park somewhere Maybe in New York Maybe in Paris Maybe in Barcelona Early in the morning There is The artist The creator With a small black brain And a small black dog In the twilight of his life Sees his work And he feels
Stars at Speak, starting with a poem by English Romantic poet John Keats called La Belle Dame Sans Merci, The Beautiful Lady Without Pity, written in 1819. The poem describes the condition of an unnamed knight who has an encounter with a mysterious woman. One interpretation is that this lady represents the ideal, and the poem is about the relationship of the real and the ideal. The knight rejects the real world with its real fulfilments for an ideal which cannot exist in the real world. In giving himself entirely to the dream of the ideal, he destroys his life in the real world. Oh, what can ail thee, knight at arms, alone and palely loitering? The sedge has withered from the lake, and no birds sing. Oh, what can ail thee, knight at arms, so haggard and so woe-begone? The squirrel's granary is full, and the harvest's done. I see a lily on thy brow, with anguish moist and fever dew, and on thy cheeks a fading rose fast withereth too. I met a lady in the meads, full beautiful, a fairest child. Her hair was long, her foot was light, and her eyes were wild. I made a garland for her head, and bracelets too, and fragrant zone. She looked at me as she did love, and made sweet moan. 
I set her on my pacing steed, and nothing else saw all day long, for sidelong would she bend and sing a fairy song. She found me roots of reddish sweet, and honey wild and manner dew, and sure in language strange she said, I love thee true. She took me to her elfin grot, and there she wept and sighed full sore, and there I shut her wild, wild eyes with kisses four. And there she lulled me asleep, and there I dreamed, ah, woe betide, the latest dream I ever dreamed on the cold hillside. I saw pale kings and princes too, pale warriors, death-pale were they all. They cried, La belle dame sans mercy hath thee in thrall. I saw their starved lips in the gloam, with horrid warning gaped wide, and I awoke and found me here, on the cold hillside. And this is why I sojourn here, alone and palely loitering, though the sedge is withered from the lake, and no birds sing.
You are listening to The Bohemian Beat, produced at Bay FM in Byron Bay and heard nationally across the community radio network. We just heard Night of Noir by Suzanne Sunfor, and before that, Ben Wishaw reading La Belle Dame Sans Merci by English romantic poet John Keats. Keats was influenced by Dante and gave his beloved Fanny Braun a copy of Dante's Inferno, which they read together. Dante, who lived between 1265 and 1321, was a major Italian poet of the Middle Ages. This next piece from La Vita Nuova, or The New Life, was written in 1295. It is an expression of the medieval genre of courtly love. So gentle and so pure appears my lady when she greets others, that every tongue trembles and is mute, and their eyes do not dare gaze at her. She goes by, aware of their praise, a benignly dressed in humility, and seems as if she were a thing from heaven to earth to show a miracle. She shows herself so pleasing to those who gaze. Through the eyes she sends a sweetness to the heart that no one can understand who does not know it. And from her lips there comes a sweet spirit full of love that goes saying to the soul, Sigh. They have seen perfection of all welcome who see my lady among the other ladies. Those who go by with her are moved to render thanks to God for lovely grace. Her beauty is of such virtue that no envy can arise from it, but makes them go clothed in nobility, with love and with loyalty. The sight of her makes all humble, and does not only make her appear pleasing, but all receive honour through her. And she is so gentle in her effect, that no one can recall her to mind, who does not sigh in the sweetness of love.
from Dante's La Vita Nuova, read by Maxim. Dante worked on his epic poem, The Divine Comedy, between his exile in 1301 and his death in 1321, a work that represents a culmination of the medieval worldview of the afterlife. Also drawing from Islamic philosophy, the poet tells in the first person of his travels through the three realms of the dead, this next piece is an excerpt from Canto One of the Inferno. Halfway through our trek in life, I found myself in this dark wood, miles away from the right road. It's no easy thing to talk about this place, so dire and dismal. I'm terrified just remembering it. Death itself can hardly be worse. But since I got some good there, I'll talk about the bad as well. I can't say how I wandered in. I was in such a heavy slumber the moment I left the right way. But then I reached rising ground, where this wood came to an end that had so horrified my heart. And I looked up. The hilltop already wore that planet's rays that light up the paths of men. So my fear thawed out a little that had iced over my heart on this night of such misery. I was like a weary swimmer getting from the sea onto shore, gazing back at the huge waves. So my spirit was still escaping as it went back over that stretch no one ever comes through alive. Now I rested for a moment, then on up that lonely slope with a firm foot always lower. And here, just at the beginning, there was a spotted animal like a leopard racing about who wouldn't get away from me. In fact, he impeded me so much I often turned round to return. It was right at the start of day, the sun rising with those stars he'd risen with the first time God started all this beauty going. So they seemed like good omens. The hour and the sweet season against this beast with a brilliant skin. But they couldn't stop my panic when I found a lion there too. And he came for me, I thought, his head high, mad with hunger. So even the air seemed terrified. Next a wolf, greediness itself oozing from her famished body, the cause of hurt to so many. Well, this one upset me so much just from the fear of her look. I gave the hill up completely. I was like him that likes to win, but then the time to lose comes and all his thoughts turn sour. <laughs> 
So this animal that never rests pushed me backwards bit by bit to where the sun shines silent. Now as I plummeted downwards, a figure rose before my eyes, hoarse from long silence it seemed. When I saw him in this wasteland, I shouted out, Have pity on me, whoever you are, man or ghost.
Bohemian Beat, brought to you via the Community Radio Network. That was Corvus Carax, a German neo-medieval band with Fortuna, and before that an excerpt from Dante's Divine Comedy. Dante influenced Lord Alfred Tennyson. This next piece is from Tennyson's narrative poem, The Princess, published in 1847. The poem tells the story of a heroic princess who forswears the world of men and starts a women's university where men are forbidden to enter. The prince to whom she was betrothed in infancy enters university with two friends disguised as women students. Some of the best known lyrics are in this next piece. The splendour falls on castle walls. The splendour falls on castle walls and snowy summits old in story. The long light shakes across the lakes and the wild cataract leaps in glory. Blow, bugle, blow, set the wild echoes flying. Blow, bugle, answer echoes, dying, dying, dying. Oh, hark, oh, hear, how thin and clear, and thinner, clearer, farther going. Oh, sweet and far from cliff and scar, the horns of Elfland faintly blowing. Blow, let us hear the purple glens replying. Blow, bugle, answer echoes, dying, dying, dying. Oh, love, they die in yon rich sky. They faint on hill or field or river. Our echoes roll from soul to soul and grow forever and forever. Blow, bugle, blow. Set the wild echoes flying. And answer, echoes, answer. Dying, dying.
is the Bohemian Beat, and we just heard Single Gun Theory with Great Palaces of Immortal Splendour. And before that, Michael Horton reading a poem by Lord Tennyson called The Splendour Falls on Castle Walls. Tennyson succeeded Romantic poet William Wordsworth as Poet Laureate in 1850. William Wordsworth's poetry initiated the Romantic era by emphasising feeling, instinct and pleasure above formality and mannerism. More than any poet before him, Wordsworth gave expression to inchoate human emotion. This next poem, Strange Fits of Passion Have I Known, is read by Sir Cedric Horwick. Strange fits of passion have I known. And I will dare to tell but in the lover's ear alone what once to me befell. When she I loved looked every day fresh as a rose in June, I to her cottage bent my way beneath an evening moon. Upon the moon I fixed my eye all over the wide lea. With quickening pace my horse drew nigh those paths so dear to me. And now we reached the orchard plot, and as we climbed the hill, the sinking moon to Lucy's cot came near and nearer still. In one of those sweet dreams I slept, kind nature's gentlest boon, and all the while my eyes I kept on the descending moon. My horse moved on, hoof after hoof he raised and never stopped, and down behind the cottage roof at once the bright moon dropped. What fond and wayward thoughts will slide into a lover's head? Oh, mercy to myself, I cried, if Lucy should be dead.
was Mike Oldfield with On My Heart. And before that, Strange Fits of Passion Have I Known by English Romantic poet William Wordsworth. Wordsworth deeply inspired American poet Robinson Jeffers, who lived between 1887 and 1962. In the mid-1920s, Jeffers published Roan Stallion. In Roan Stallion, Tamar and Other Poems, the first book written after his spiritual awakening and an attempt to capture in narrative verse the overwhelming mystery of mystic experience. In Roan Stallion, the fierce tragedy is enacted against the background of the rocky landscape of the Pacific Ocean. The narrator, California, the heroine of this poem, yearns for intimate identification with the deity of nature a young mother in a brutal relationship becomes captivated by a stallion. This is from the second part. In the first part, she experiences a dramatic river crossing in the dark of night. Humanity is the start of the race. I say humanity is the mold to break away from, the crust to break through, the coal to break into fire, the atom to be split. Tragedy that breaks man's face and a white fire flies out of it. Vision that fools him out of his limits. Desire that fools him out of his limits. Unnatural crime, inhuman science, slit eyes in the mask. Wild loves that leap over the walls of nature. The wild fence vaulter, science. Useless intelligence of far stars, dim knowledge of the spinning demons that make an atom. These break, these pierce, these deify, praising their God shrilly with fierce voices. Not in a man's shape he approves the praise. He that walks lightning naked on the Pacific, that laces the sun with planets, the heart of the atom with electrons, what is humanity in this cosmos? For him, the last, least taint of a trace in the dregs of the solution. For itself, the mold to break away from, the coal to break into fire, the atom to be split. After the child slept, after the leopard-footed evening had glided oceanward, California turned the lamp to its least flame and glided from the house. She moved, sighing like a loose fire, backward and forward on the smooth ground by the door. She heard the night wind that draws down the valley like a draught in a flue under clear weather, whisper and toss in the tall redwoods. She heard the tinkle of the April brook deep in its hollow. Cooled by the night, the odors that the horses had left behind were in her nostrils. The night whitened up the bare hill. A drift of coyotes by the river cried bitterly against moonrise. Then California ran to the old corral, the empty one where they kept the buckskin mare, and leaned and bruised her breasts on the rail, feeling the sky whiten. When the moon stood over the hill, she stole to the house. The child breathed quietly, herself to sleep. She had seen Christ in the night at Christmas. 
The hills were shining open to the enormous night of the April moon, empty and empty, the vast round backs of the bare hills. If one should ride up high, might not the father himself be seen brooding his night, cross-legged, chin in hand, squatting on the last dome? More likely leaping the hills, shaking the red roan mane for a flag on the bare hills? She blew out the lamp. Every fiber of flesh trembled with faintness when she came to the door. Strength lacked. To wander afoot in the shining of the hill, high enough, high enough. The hateful face of a man had taken the strength that might have served her. The corral was empty. The dog followed her. She caught him by the collar, dragged him in fierce silence back to the door of the house, latched him inside. It was like daylight outdoors, and she hastened without faltering down the footpath, through the dark fringe of twisted oak brush, to the open place in a bay of the hill. The dark strength of the stallion had heard her coming. She heard him blow the shining air of his nostrils, she saw him in the white lake of moonlight move like a lion among the timbers of the fence, shaking the nightfall of the great mane. His fragrance came to her. She leaned on the fence. He drew away from it, the hooves making soft thunder in the trodden soil. Wild love had trodden it, his wrestling with the stranger. The shame of the day had stamped it into mire and powder when the heavy fetlocks strained the soft flanks. Oh, if I could bear you, if I had the strength. Oh, great God that came down to Mary, gently you came. But I will ride him up into the hills. If he throws me, if he tramples me, is it not my desire to endure death? She climbed the fence, pressing her body against the rail, shaking like fever, and dropped inside to the soft ground. He neither threatened her with his teeth nor fled her coming. And lifting her hand gently to the upflung head, she caught the strap of the headstall that hung under the quivering chin. She unlooped the halter from the high strength of the neck, and the arch, the storm-cloud mane, hung with live darkness. He stood. She crushed her breasts on the hard shoulder, an arm over the withers, the other under the mass of his throat, and murmuring like a mountain dove, if I could bear you. No way. No help. A gulf in nature. She murmured, come, we will run on the hill. Oh, beautiful. Oh, beautiful. And led him to the gate and flung the bars on the ground. He threw his head downward to snuff at the bars, and while he stood, she, catching mane and withers with all sudden contracture and strength of her live body, leapt, clung hard, and was mounted. He had been ridden before. He did not fight the weight, but ran like a stone falling, broke down the slope into the moon glass of the stream, and flattened to his neck, she felt the branches of a buckeye tree fly over her, saw the wall of the oak scrub end her world. But he turned there. The matted branches scraped her right knee, the great slant shoulders laboring the hill slope up, up the clear hill. Desire had died in her at the first rush the falling like death, 
But now it revived. She feeling between her thighs the labor of the great engine, the running muscles, the hard swiftness, she riding the savage and exultant strength of the world. Having topped the thicket, he turned eastward, running less wildly, and now at length he felt the halter when she drew on it. She guided him upward. He stopped and grazed on the great arch and pride of the hill, the silent Calvary. A dwarfish oakwood climbed the other slope out of the dark, unknown canyon beyond. The last wind-beaten bush of it crawled up to the height, and California, slipping from her mount, tethered him to it. She stood then, shaking. Enormous films of moonlight trailed down from the height. Space. Anxious whiteness. Vastness. Distant beyond conception, the shining ocean lay light like a haze along the ledge and doubtful world's end. Little vapors gleaming and little darknesses on the far chart underfoot symbolized wood and valley. But the air was the element, the moon-saturate arcs and spires of the air. Here is solitude. Here on the Calvary, nothing conscious but the possible God and the cropped grass. No witness, no eye but that misformed one, the moon's past fullness. Two figures on the shining hill, woman and stallion, she kneeling to him, brokenly adoring, he cropping the grass, shifting his hooves, or lifting the long head to gaze over the world, tranquil and powerful. She's dreaming, dreaming I'm a wild horse She is trying hard, trying to catch his mane Running on the wind, he is leaving her again sky is black and the night is cold Far from her home She hears the wake-up call and the rhythms of the road and When the night is over She'll be lifted up Oh, lifted up When she rides the wild She'll be free When she rides There will be a celebration When she runs Love comes so easily When she rides the wild horse Elation She's crying Crimes of kings and madmen She is trying Trying to lose the world Dying on the inside Oh, it sounds so naive To a cynical mind And a critical heart Those who deceive 
Tears of the spark Oh, these times are dark But just around the corner She'll be lifted up Oh, lifted up When she rides the wild horse She'll be free When she rides There will be a celebration she runs, love comes so easily When she rides the wild horse elation She gets close sometimes, so close to him She can hear him breathe, she can touch his skin But he dances away is not yet time But someday She'll rise and fly When she rides the wild horse She'll be free When she rides There will be a celebration when she runs, love comes so easily When she rides the wild horse, elation When she rides the wild horse, elation she rides the wild horse, elation to the Bohemian Beat and that was Red Horse with Wild Horse and before that Marion Seldes reading from Roan Stallion an epic poem by Robinson Jeffers Roan Stallion centres on a woman whose abusive husband is killed by the stallion when she flees to the animal for protection after slaying the horse in retaliation for the death of her husband the woman realises that she has destroyed the embodiment of her freedom her subsequent anguish symbolises the suffering that humanity inflicts upon itself when it squanders opportunities for change and improvement. The hour is running thin, so we must end on that tragic note. But don't despair, tragedy is but one petal on the poetic flower. And I will be back next week with more Bohemian Beat. We will end with a track by Mary Goethe called... Our Lady of the Shooting Stars, thank you for joining me on the Bohemian Beat. I'm ready. Our Lady of the Shooting Stars, was that you last night? Did we dance a whispered waltz? Did I hold you in my sight? morning came with open arms she lifted you from me the sunlight burned my eyes away now I cannot see our lady of the shooting stars as I face the early light all that I can think of now is joining you in flight but I have followed gypsy's girl I've lost my way back home I've held the phoenix to my chest and ended up alone 
Do seagulls scream your name? 